This podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. Nerd Wallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and this is Next Question. And this is an incredibly exciting week for me. My memoir, Going There, is finally out. People can read what's actually in it. I can't believe it. And now that it's out, I wanted to pull back the curtain for my Next Question listeners and talk about how this project really came together. It was a big endeavor. It's been three years in the making, hundreds of files and memorabilia boxes to sort through, and thousands of pages written and refined, not to mention a hell of a lot of Googling. Frankly, I needed some help doing all of this, and I got the best of it. Two incredibly thoughtful people I've grown to love, so perfectly suited to this project, it's almost weird. Not so long ago, the three of us settled into my living room and talked about how we all met, the writing process, and how some of the juicier and more personal moments from the book came to be. So, without further ado, drum roll please. Here's me and my going there team, Lucy Kalin and Adriana Fazio. Enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to my home. I feel like a uh, PBS host or NPR host, and I'm going to talk about sweaty balls pretty soon, but I won't because I'm here with two of my favorite people who, you know, are a little sensitive. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, this is Lucy <laughs> Kalen and Atron Afazio. Uh, we are the Troika behind going there. And so we thought it would be fun to give you guys a little behind the scenes sense of what it took to put together this 500-page plus memoir <laughs> that hopefully that you all are reading and enjoying or getting ready to read. You can go to Amazon and any other place to 
You go to Amazon. You can Amazon or anywhere where you prefer to buy books. Yes, exactly. Support your local bookstore, by the way. Just FYI. Anyway, we're going to basically introduce ourselves. I'm Katie Couric. You probably knew that by now. Lucy, why don't you introduce yourself and how you got involved? Well, first introduce yourself, and then we'll talk about how you got involved in this project. I'm Lucy Kalin. Lucy, can you give us a little more? Um, Sure. I mean, I, you know, am thrilled to be here. This is one of the best things I've ever been engaged in. We'll get into that more, I'm sure. But um, longtime magazine person, writer, editor, most recently the editor-in-chief of Oprah Magazine, and I'm currently uh, VP of print content at Hearst, been at GQ, been at Vogue, been at Mary Claire. Um, Love words, love great stories, and that's what finds me here. And Ms. Fazio, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Um, my name is Adriana Fazio. I'm 24, and this is my first job. <laughs> 24 going on 42. Yeah. Um, Adriana is a, a an old soul. Why don't you talk, Adriana, real quickly about how you and I met, because it's such a funny story. So I went to Notre Dame, and I was a double major in American Studies and Film, And for one of my film classes, we had to write about the most impactful media experience we ever had. And I wrote about the Today Show. And then it turned into a senior thesis about Katie. And through a friend of a friend, someone connected me to Katie. And then I interviewed her for my thesis. Which was called? Katie Couric's Career in Shifting Perceptions of Femininity in Broadcast Journalism. <laughs> Ta-da! And why don't you tell us a little bit about why you were so captivated by me yeah, when you were a young lass watching the Today that's Show? That's a very good question. Um, so in my thesis, I detail every single day, without fail, the Today Show was on in my household. And I would have my little Catholic school jumper on. And I would sit eating my Eggo waffles, watching Katie on the Today Show. Good morning. In a little more than 24 hours, the United States will witness its 42nd peaceful transfer of power. Recently, I had the rare opportunities to sit down with Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Earlier this morning, I spoke with Queen Rania of Jordan and asked her if she believed those potential problems had been underestimated. And I wanted to be Katie. I wanted to be host the Today Show. I wanted to go into broadcast journalism. And I realized at a very young age that 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 was just what I wanted to do. You ended up, Adriana, just to finish the the story of the thesis, you ended up getting in touch with me through that friend of a friend. You came over to my apartment. You interviewed me. You were so funny. I was and so nervous. Like, she was nervous and sweating. You, know, you, were, you were. I didn't notice you were sweating. And uh, but you asked me all these questions, and that's when I said, "Hey, I'm thinking about writing a book." Maybe you'd like to help me research it because you know more about me than I know about me because she she had done this exhaustive research. So that's how you ended up sitting on my sofa, living with me through the pandemic and basically uh, tying my shoes every morning. Yes. We called Adriana my companion, which uh, we think is funny (laughs) as if I'm 95 where you know, while I'm getting there. And sometimes I'll say, where where are we, Adriana? You're not getting there, you're going there. (laughs) I'll say, where are we, Adriana? And she'll say, We're in East Hampton, Katie. (laughs) Anyway, all right. So, Lucy, let's talk about how we became Thick as Thieves. Um, We were put together to work on this book because I needed someone to help me shape it and make sense of this crazy life of mine. 
And one of the best things that has ever happened to me mm-hmm. is someone said, why don't you work with Lucy Kalin? And you had never really, you'd written books yourself, mm-hmm. but you had never really been in this kind of situation. Tell us about the books you wrote first. Sure. Um, I wrote a book about um, American nuns and I grew up without any religion at all. And I was very, very deeply curious about the women who still did this work because, or responded to this call because I knew that the numbers were declining rapidly. So I thought it was an interesting story for women about women and subcultures and all the rest. And funnily enough, I got the opportunity to plug my book on the Today Show and you interviewed me and um and which was Lucy, a, that was you were funny telling me about it because you said you were super nervous right yeah yeah yeah. and you were so good you would never in a million years yeah. guess that you were nervous well that's that's great but i will say um and this is you know this is completely true i was i was bowled over by your skill as an interviewer and as a person who for for whom you know it benefits the show if obviously if the interviewee is not a nervous wreck and you were just so masterful at like just just calming me down and making sure we'd get the best we could for me and and i remember that feeling and it was you know it was live and the whole thing oh, live television is terrifying biggest and the cameras everywhere and you know biggest show on television and i just remember this feeling of like being in your hands and um, and just feeling so like comfortable and and relieved. And then you interviewed me years later on the occasion of Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston breaking up and a movie that he because was doing. Because you had written a piece about it for- Exactly, for GQ. Right. And um, that was another wonderful opportunity to be in your strong and safe hands. Um, and, <clears throat> but, but back to what got me to the position of perhaps doing work like this was, as I anticipated whatever my next chapters would be, I it just sort of occurred to me that it might be sort of interesting to collaborate with people with an interesting story to tell because it's a lot of what I did, um, certainly through a long stretch of my career at GQ Magazine where I did a ton of the cover stories, a lot of profiles, a lot of interviews. And there was always this sense in which, you know, my job was to find the story, like make a story out of something and then of course write it well and all of that. But, you know, lots of interviewing and lots of like finding the themes of people's lives and helping them connect the dots and have things make a certain kind Kind of sense. So it's not just a sort of a, a rote sort of Q&A about your life. Um, and I think I was talking to a friend at, um, in, you know, at, at your agency, WME, and we Suzanne were just kind Block. of, well, yeah. actually it was, was uh, Jennifer else. Rudolph Walsh. Oh, okay. And we were talking about, you know, what we might like to do someday when this chapter of our careers is, is you know, winding down. And I kind of mentioned that in complete small talk fashion. And um, strangely enough, then, of course, Suzanne Gluck, your agent was talking to her colleague, Jennifer, and who are we going to get for the Katie Project? And I think Jennifer was like, you know, why not Lucy Kalin? And Suzanne said, well, that's ridiculous. Lucy's got a very busy day job. She's editor of Oprah Magazine. She's like, I think you should, you know, reach out. And that's how it that's how it began. And I think there are a lot of reasons why Lucy was such a perfect partner for me in this endeavor. And Lucy, one of the reasons I think is I'm a little older than you are, but not too much older. And uh, and you and I both came of age in in media really about the same time. And I also think we have weirdly similar uh, love affairs with our father. Well, not really love affairs, but we, <laughs> you know, it wasn't an incestuous situation. Don't worry, everyone. But we really deeply admired our fathers and and they were really kind of uh, behind us in terms of our 
of our professional um, accomplishments. Yeah, they, I mean, they were both um, lovers of words and lovers of news and story and all that stuff. And they were crazy about their little girls. We're both youngers. I'm a younger, you're a young guest. And we spent a lot of time with those guys and they had a lot of um, interest in what we would do and become. And we both badly wanted to make them proud. But another thing that I would say about, you know, to your point about when women like, like us were coming along in male-dominated fields in the 80s. Um, you know, it's just unbelievably vivid to me when I was fairly junior at GQ magazine and I had a tiny little studio and I would, um, you know, couldn't, there was no such thing as an espresso. I couldn't afford a coffee press, whatever those things were called. And I would have a, a cup of Sanka in the morning. <laughs> wow, and you I, are really dating uh, yourself. I, I, I just, and instant coffee, yeah. Instant coffee, I had a futon on 19th Street and I had a TV with rabbit ears. And every uh, weekday morning, of course it was tuned to the Today Show. And I'd already been noticing uh, you as Pentagon correspondent and you know, you were kind of getting, you were, you were appearing more on the show. And Good morning. Welcome to today on this Monday morning and this Monday, the first of several days that we're going to be welcoming Katie Couric, our national correspondent. Good to be here. Busy day, busy week, no, busy month. You're away from your beat at the Pentagon. It's a busy one. right? I did not, as a rule, relate to the women who typically were in that sort of like sidekick to the alpha male role on those shows. I just wasn't. And I, I spied you as millions of young women did. And I'm like, well, well, that interests me. And I'll never forget that Sanka morning where when you were like on the couch because you were truly like filling in as co-anchor. And they were, of course, you learn in the book that, you know, it's, a, it's just a wonderful rise to the top. But that was such a big moment. From NBC News, this is Today with Bryant Gumbel, Catherine Couric and Joe Garagiola. Good morning and welcome to today on a Friday morning and to a new chapter of today. How did it sound? Sounded good, yeah, but I still can't decide whether I'm Catherine or Katie. No, Alex, re rack it for us, will you? Catherine Couric. <laughs> Thank you. One more time, Alex. Catherine Couric. Thank you very much. There you go. Um, in case you haven't gotten the message, Katie is now a, uh, a permanent fixture up here, a member of our family. And I was like, good on NBC. They're doing it. They're making the right move with that one that I like. And it was just incredibly important to me and personally, professionally, you know, and to so many women of, you know, our vintage it just couldn't be more formative. Such a huge thing to, to have you model for us what it could be. Well, it's interesting because I was probably more relatable than most of the people who had been in that role. I had, you know, this short kind of, you know, Dorothy Hamilly dark haircut which I don't understand how my hair turned blonde as I got older. <laughs> but, you know, and I, I think that I was, I was just cut from a different cloth. Yeah. And, and I remember when I got that job, I thought about looking at tapes of Jane Pauley. And then I realized to myself, just instinctively, I think to be successful in this job, you can't put on airs. You have to be yourself. You have to be authentic. And this was before the word authentic kind of had had crept into the, the lexicon. And so as a result, I think, you know, people like you who were, you know, stumbling out of bed and drinking your Sanka or yeah. Yeah. people like Adriana, who was eating her corn checks or whatever. Oh, her, her Eggo waffles. Um, you know, I think there, it made for a, a very sort of 
almost intangible connection with viewers. A hundred percent. And and it was also, I mean, just definitely your your look was relatable for a lot of us, which was great. It didn't have to be that Barbie thing, which was very alienating for a lot of us women, we women who wanted to be taken seriously in these male-dominated offices. Um, but the other thing was you led with your personality and you led with your intelligence and your emotional intelligence and your wit and all of that stuff. And that felt new, you know, because a lot of times it seemed to me the women that were relegated to the Barbie role weren't really supposed to do that. Right. And they were also quite um, subservient to their male counterparts. And, you know, one of the things we talk about when uh, I got that job, which was pretty ballsy for a 34 year old woman, was I insisted on an equal partnership with Bryant Gumbel because I thought it was so important. You know, I realized, I think, from from my own childhood and how my perspectives were shaped by, you know, Good Housekeeping and Ladies' Home Journals and all these magazines that I'd go to my next door neighbor, um, Mrs. Geidel's, and I'd read them in her sunroom because she got them all. Really weird, right, that I did that. But, um, you know, how much popular culture and the images you're surrounded by, I was very cognizant that they really shaped your view of the world and your role in it. And I thought, there were very subtle, almost nuanced things that people could watch on a show like that and pick up on that would make them appreciate the fact that women were as capable as men and that they should have equal opportunities as men. And I wondered if you picked up on that uh, at all, Adriana, as a little girl watching it. Because honestly, when I asked for that, I asked for it for little girls like Adriana at the time. Yeah, first of all, time-wise, Lucy and I are two generations of Katie fans and she remembers when you were ha- had your first day on the sofa and I remember crying, being nine years old, standing in my kitchen when you said you were gonna leave the show. I wanted to tell all of you out there who have watched the show for the past 15 years that after listening to my heart and my gut, two things that have served me pretty well in the past, I've decided I'll be leaving today at the end of May. It was really a very difficult decision. But also, I feel like Lucy's experience of being your contemporary is being like, wait a second, we don't have to be this way. And my experience of you being my role model is assuming it always was that way. And so reliving this with both of you makes me so grateful that you did do it that way so that I I don't have to do it the old way. So I don't know if I realized it at the time, but- I wonder if your mom did, because it sounds like she was very keyed in on on, uh, making sure that you reached your potential Mm -hmm. and that you satisfied kind of this intellectual curiosity you exhibited at a very early age, right? Well, it's funny. My mom is very independent, very headstrong, very- lots of things. I adore her, but um, (laughs) she is the same age as you two. And she had a very different experience. She'd never really had a career. She worked until she had kids and then she became a stay-at-home mom. And then she um, went back to school and became a teacher, which is great. And she's great at what she does, but it's just a generate, there is a generational divide among your generation. And I think, I know if she could do it again, she would have had the career that I am having at 24. And I'm sure whether subconsciously or intentionally, she made sure that I was exposed to things that made me realize that the sky is the limit. And you made me realize that. It's interesting that, of course, your daughters are really 
sort of the same age as uh, my daughter, <clears throat> just a couple years older, and the same age as Adriana. And I know that it's very alive in us um, seeing this generation of women who are like no freaking joke. They're so talented and smart and ambitious and and just capable. And and I feel not sort of struggling with some of the things we simply had to because of, you know, the time that it was, it's, it does feel like a victory, you know, it feels like such a victory to see you guys being you. It's like, yay, some things do change for the better. We'll be right back with more behind the scenes moments from my memoir. That's right after this. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. One of the reasons why I really enjoyed writing this book, and I think from the get-go, we wanted to use the backdrop of history and the backdrop of really four decades, primarily, for, for my story to illustrate some of the huge societal changes that have taken place during the last four decades. And I think sometimes we forget, Lucy, that our generation was really the first to be full throttle into the workforce. My mom never worked. And I talk about that pretty poignantly, I think, um, in the part of her book after she she dies. But, you know, I think we, I, I think it was like almost 50-50. And I don't know statistically if that's absolutely correct. But a lot of women, our generation or some, were choosing to get married and raise their families and drop out of the workforce if they entered it at all. Mm -hmm. And then there were people like us who 
didn't want just a job as we talk about in the book. We wanted careers. Right. And I think one of the things that motivated me is I really wanted to be financially independent. Mm -hmm. I did not, I could not tolerate the feeling of relying on someone else. And maybe that's because of my fear of rejection too. Can I lie down? I'm kidding. (laughs) But, you know, because I didn't want to be married, have have a, a man be the primary breadwinner and have him like dump me for a younger model and be left out in the cold thinking, holy shit, what am I going to do? I have these kids and, you know, and um, so it was really important to me, plus with the encouragement of both my mom and dad Mm -hmm. to get out there and work. But I just think it's so interesting because I think we forget how we were kind of the first wave of career women. Of course, there were people before us and you hear about you know, Liddy Dole and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and and people from my mom's generation. And as we talk about my friend Christine Hughes's mom, who was a doctor. Mm-hmm. But all my friends, I, I think almost, you know, all of them had stay-at-home moms. That's right. And by the time uh, we were doing our thing, I think the thing that that, you know, we obviously talk about it in the in the book is, you know, we were like you know, soldiers in the mommy wars. Right. And mommy wars. I don't even think you hear that term so much anymore. Do you? Yeah, I I think you don't. I mean, it was, there really was, I think we remember it vividly, that sense of, you know, there were at least two camps and there was definitely that sense in which the choices that you made might be some sort of indictment or perceived as an indictment of the choices somebody else made. Right. And, you know, it was so vivid to me when I was, you know, I had my first kid at 90, in 1997 and the, my second in 2000. And I remember so vividly going to, you know, the preschool and, you know, I'm in my like my hard shoes and my jacket and my this and my that because I'm going to go at drop off. I'm going to go to the office. And then there were those women who had a yoga mat, you know, in, in the back of their in their thing and, you know, not the briefcase or what have you. <clears throat> and it was all very symbolic. It's like the, the the ways that we were, you know, doing our lives were it was the, the, even just the optics of it were sort of dramatic. And and you wrestled with it. And I <clears throat> totally didn't get to do the cupcake thing a lot of times and I didn't get to do the pickup. Or you missed important missed things because you were on assignment in a in another state. I mean, I, I remember when, uh, you know, my son Owen, you know, we're taking him to school and, you know, you're supposed to wear something that, you know, bring something that was your assigned letter of the day. He was a little kid and he it was G day for him. And I'm like, you know, shit. I mean, like I completely forgot to get him a thing for G day. And then I saw that he was wearing a gap shirt. I'm like, honey, you've got a gap shirt on. There's your G for G day. (laughs) I mean, it was like that. It was very catch as catch can, you know, we just did the best we could. And I was always missing the memo on those, those kinds of fun, sweet little things. But I also was defiant as you certainly were, um, about, you know, I'm going to have a career. I'm going to do this thing. And we were, you know, I mean, we're talking about a, a group of women in a certain socioeconomic level who were really privileged enough to be able to make that choice, you know, which is something that I'm always mindful of as well, you know, that when it came to the mommy wars and any kind of, you know, criticism of working mothers, you know, there were a lot of women who didn't have the choice. I do think it's really interesting in the book how incredibly intentional you were about you know, your career, but also I'm going to be married. I'm going to have kids, you know, that you really 
like that Cassie Mackin moment, like I am totally going to do this. It's not going to be easy, but, you know, very, very intentional about the kind of life you wanted to live in, in the 90s. I just read an article this morning that said single unmarried women are the happiest, which I thought was interesting. That's me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you're 24. So, but yes, I mean, I think while I was hyper focused on my career, um, Cassie Mackin, who you mentioned, who was the Capitol Hill correspondent for ABC News when I was the desk assistant who had come from the Baltimore Sun, this, you know, beautiful, tall, you know, uh, statuesque blonde who almost glided into the newsroom. I think we described her as that way, um, died of cancer in her early 40s. And I remember all Un her unmarried. Yeah, unmarried no and kids. all her pallbearers mm -hmm. while they were really impressive. I think Teddy Kennedy was one of them. R Rolf Tessum, who I remember as a cameraman who went on a date with him, got a lobster and didn't kiss him goodnight. And he was pissed, but that's another story. Um, but but uh, I remember seeing that and thinking, you know, I don't want to just be focused on my career. I want to have a family. I want to be married. I want to have children. Um, and so I did kind of want it all. <laughs> yeah, you became like a, a very prominent sort of emblem of all of that. And we all followed along very carefully. More from the three of us right after this. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about the process of, of writing this book, because I think people might be interested on how we work together and kind of how we were able to take 64 years and condense them 
into a single book. Um, you know, it's funny because when we first started writing, uh, the book was way, 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 way over. And in, uh, in length. In length, yes. And in deadlines. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember John saying, who do you think you are, Winston Churchill? What do you want, like several volumes? And I was like, yeah, what's wrong with that? But we realized uh, maybe maybe no one else was interested in me as much as I was. So we had to cut down a lot of the book. But, um, you know, do you want to kind of just help people understand, because I think they might see the three of us and think, well, wait, how did this work? And I would say that we really had very few rough patches, if any. I think it just took us a little bit of time to, um, I think it's actually just an incredible story that we all like and care about each other as much as we do. I would even go so far to say love. But I think it did. It, there was a bit of an adjustment period, but not much. Can you talk about that, Lucy, and kind of what you experienced? Because we haven't really even talked about sure, this. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I was very, you know, didn't exactly know what I was getting myself into. But because it was Katie, because it was you and your story, I was I was all in. Like, whatever this is, I'm doing it because I want to help tell this story. It matters that much to me. So, you know, again, kind of calling on the work I've done um, throughout other parts of my career, certainly at GQ, but also the books that I wrote. We did do some interviewing. We, you know, you talked into a tape recorder, which was useful to me. I had some transcript to kind of play with when we sort of zeroed in on a section. But also, of course, there's a lot of great material that I could find myself. I could look up a lot of your interviews and I could, you know, look up uh, a lot of uh, articles about stuff that was going on. So like I, I could kind of piece together some stuff that was an attempt at, you know, telling the story of a, a certain chapter of your life. And then we started a process of like kicking things back and forth, right. which was really great. And then there were times when, you know, you would do some stuff out of whole cloth, just like, take a look at this. I don't know if it's good, but this is what was happening when I was making this documentary and this crazy thing happened. And then I would, and then I would help you bang it into shape. And right. then I would try something out of whole cloth and give it to you. And then that kind of and started then I happening. sort of play with it and say, no, I, or, you know, that doesn't sound only, like me. Yeah, sometimes uh, you yeah, would say that. Or, yeah, exactly. Or it didn't really, as you said, happen that way or, you know, and, and, and a lot of times, you know, I really wanted to make sure this was my voice and from my perspective. And I think where Lucy was most helpful was kind of putting, giving a sort of, um, a more macrocosmic perspective of kind of what was going on in the culture. And, you know, we wrote a, a, a extensively about Anita Hill and we ended up not being able to use it and what it was like with my first experience really covering sexual harassment. Right. You know, and interestingly enough how, I mean, we do talk about it in short form, but we had something right. really long about it and, and what that was like. And, I think because we are contemporaries and you remembered those hearings so well, we could kind of share what impact that was having on society and how Anita Hill represented something that women knew and understood, but really hadn't put a name to it exactly. Yeah. You know, it's sort of crazy when you think sexual harassment, even though I experienced it and you experienced it early in our career, that was the first time that someone had really put a name and a face and actions yeah. to the term. 
I think a, another thing that was really interesting for us is, um, you know, there were times when you you would say like, oh, go, go look at this interview. We should probably do something on this. You know, of course, I, you know, did these interviews with, you know, Reginald Denny from the horrific uh, Rodney King aftermath and, you know, um, you know, Ma Matthew Shepard and things like that. And these really important interviews that you did. And I would look at them and realize, you know, that a lot of time had gone by. And for instance, there was a way that, you know, discovering that your child was gay was talked about back then that would never be talked about, right. you know, now. And the same thing with Reginald Denny, who, of course, terrible things happened to him as he was, you know, beaten at the intersection of Florence and Normandy. But it was a very, like, very much about the, the white victim and all of the stuff that would get surfaced in the Black Lives Matter, Summer of Black Lives Matter, was just like nobody even thought about it. They didn't know, even know how to talk about it. And you so interestingly, when I kind of prodded you to take a look, let's take another look at these interviews that you did. And you were like, wow, I would never say that. I would never, you know, your heart was all in it and you did a beautiful job on them, but it was a different time. And that became totally part different. of the book. So I think it would be very, awesome to talk about where we were at when we realized we needed help with this book. <laughs> we were writing away. We were having a, a great time. We were passing stuff back and forth. We were interviewing. We, yeah, we and were, also had, um, had, had given the proposal. We'd and given so the proposal. I'd, we were kind of rolling along. Um, but, you know, it, it was, it became clear that this was going to be a massive undertaking and it was going to be, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of pages and it was going to be a lot of research and it was going to be a lot of everything. And let's just say neither you nor I are like super, super genius with tech. You can say um, that. We're not super techie. No. Hello, not Apple. Super, yeah. <laughs> Hello, Apple. Not, not super techie. So like a vision in the night, like an angel <laughs> coming down from the sky. Adriana comes into our lives and and what was the it was really I mean we had we had been working on the book for how long I'd say a year probably a year really because no, we had, to, no, well, no, we had no. to work on the proposal which took yeah months. I know exactly when it was about a month before I interviewed Katie mm -hmm. because I have since found in emails Katie emailing Lucy saying Lucy this young woman just came to my apartment and interviewed me I'm gonna ask her to help I us think she on could the book. be really good you said you're gonna yeah. love her. you're gonna really like yeah. her yeah yeah. So, so what what did you find? So, um, it's June 2019. I had just graduated from college, just moved to New York, and well, first of all, I was really nervous to meet Lucy because I really liked Katie, and Katie and I seemed to get along from like the hour and a half I had spent with her. But I thought, oh God, Lucy could be a, a crazy bitch, and <laughs> I could have no part in this, and be cast to the shadows. But no, Lucy's amazing, and could not be more inclusive. And not only willing, but eager to hear my perspective and my take on things, which I very, very much appreciated as a 22-year-old at the time. Yeah. Um, which is yeah, crazy, well. isn't it? But I mean, I think honestly, um, and, and I think Lucy, you would agree with this. It was super helpful, as I alluded to earlier, to have someone of Adriana's generation uh, kind of weighing in on some of the things that we were discussing. You know, these big serious meaty issues and you know more than once adriana would say well wait a second um or hey uh you know you all sound like you're ancient you wouldn't say that <laughs> but but you know you would you would pipe in and and adriana is is extremely um you know 
I appreciated how vocal she was. You yeah. know, I think a lot of people yeah, yeah, would yeah. be intimidated, honestly, yeah. working with two old broads like us. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think Adriana, her her willingness to to speak up and give her opinion and kind of say, I don't know if you want to frame it this way, was was super helpful, not only uh, sort of on a, on on in a bigger way, but also just Adriana did so much research and we'd have to find articles or I'd say, gosh, I know someone wrote about my Bob Dole interview yeah. when he got mad at me. And we couldn't even include that in the book, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, finding so many old pieces. And all I have to say is thank God for the internet. I mean, I curse it on a thank daily God. basis when I read a mean tweet, but everything was so available to us. And we have to kind of give a shout out to the archivists, especially at NBC, at NBC. who were unbelievably helpful. Art NBC, Hogan, uh, yeah. my, my homeboy. Yeah. <laughs> and also ABC was CBS, not quite as much, but no, you could say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, but, but it was an, an incredibly time consuming and thank God that, you know, we were able to, to find stuff online. And then they were able to dig through their libraries well, and, and send us stuff, even CNN yeah. and, and, and the local stations, which were hilarious. One of our favorite pieces that I did back in the day was when I was at WTVJ and I did a, a story about homeless people in, in the Miami area. And, um, it was in the era of reporter involvement journalism. And I dressed up like a homeless woman and it's, it's the absolutely op- it's the opposite of woke. Yeah, yeah. It, it is so mortifying and so horrendously bad that um, I'm just going to let people read the book and God forbid, Google the story. Well, the, well, the <laughs> other really important part of how we put this thing together is Katie is a pack rat and she has basically her own archive of sorts in her basements of this house. And she saved everything, which thank God she did. Speeches, articles, magazines. Um, Huge research notebooks full of stuff. Like if I was going to Cuba or if I was doing a piece on, uh, remember, teens and sex that I did with my friend, Sophia Faskionis, who was a great producer at NBC. Um, you know, I still had these huge notebooks or from election and night, letters. the file cards and letters and speeches. Yeah. Um, which proved invaluable. And, you know, the letters there, I treasure them. Not only do I have letters from really famous people congratulating me when I got different jobs, but also letters from people uh, who wrote to the girls when Jay died. So these letters that I have, uh, you know, I've always said if I, if this house caught on fire, those would be the first thing I would grab if I could find them, because who knows where they are, because I'm a I'm a hot mess, a tornado, as John would say. Um, but but I think that's true. Like just having those even I saved the the worst tabloid stories about yeah. me. Well, I remember when you and I started and 
the bankers boxes would be everywhere. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize this is going to be part of the job. And I'm like going through <laughs> these like just just so much paper, so many stories in the basement here in your house with the scrapbooks and all this. And I'm like, scrapbooks. I'm like, this is not going to get done. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here because we got to pile up some pages. We've got to do some writing. And um, <laughs> among many, many, many things when Adriana came into our lives and started making sense of all of that and started finding everything. And it was, uh, you know, just a godsend. And I think it was just the, you know, y you wish, I wish for anybody watching this, um, when, if, when you're doing a project, you can just, you know, have a team like this, where not only did we have our respective, you know, gifts and strengths and, and weaknesses and all of that stuff, but we had so much fun. And, you know, we were just supporting each other all the time. And, you know, you really, as we always say, the third leg of our stool, it was amazing when you came along. And so much fun to be with. I think we all really enjoyed each other's company, which is, I mean, just amazing because we spent a lot of time together uh, around a dining room table here and in the city. And, um, you know, it, it was a very intense experience. But the fact that, you know, we... We not only survived, but we thrived and and really enjoyed each other, I think is actually a miracle. And I want to give props to my parents because my mom and dad kept these scrapbooks during the course of my career. Interestingly, sort of kept stopped keeping them when I went to CBS because I think maybe the articles were all too mean to save. <laughs> but, you know, we always made fun of my mom and dad. It was so, so sweet and so tender that they would cut out these articles and put them in a scrapbook for me. And I think by the time, you know, I was done at the Today Show, I had four or five scrapbooks. We started Billy. calling oh, them. More. We started calling Please. them. We started calling them son of scrapbook and uh, son of scrapbook too. And so, I mean, I'm so grateful to my parents. And in many ways, this, this book is a love letter to my mom and dad and to my family. Next week on Next Question, more with Lucy and Adriana and behind the scenes moments from the making of my new memoir, Going There. We get into the hard stuff, like processing the downfall of Matt Lauer. What the hell was going on? And the death of my husband, Jay. It was so close to the bone and to my very being, not to mention writing all this during a pandemic. We were gonna come out for a weekend to quote unquote, ride this thing out. Also, my husband, John Molnar, makes a surprise appearance. That's all happening next Thursday on Next Question. And I'm embarking on a nine-city book tour. I'm super excited. I have an incredible roster of guests. So please, come and let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be in community, feel inspired, hopefully, and connect. It's been a while, hasn't it? All you have to do is go to ticketmaster.com slash going there. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are me, Katie Couric, and Courtney Litz. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen. Associate producers, Derek Clements, Adriana Fazio, and Emily Pinto. The show is edited and mixed by Derek Clements. For more information about today's episode or to sign up for my morning newsletter, Wake Up Call, go to katiecouric.com. 
You can also find me at Katie Couric on Instagram and all my social media channels. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are the old world, picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.